There once was a village in which the people worshipped a tree. Yet one man was a believer in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he knew that it was wrong to worship the creation instead of worshipping the creator. So instead of debating the people endlessly, what did he do? What did he, do? he said, you know what? I'm going to get up in the middle of the night, grab my axe and go chop down that tree. Get rid of it. That way they can't really debate with me. They see it's... You know, they can't debate with it. They see it's just a creation, not to be worshipped. So he picks up his axe, and he goes on his way, and he gets confronted by a man. And this man is actually shaitan in the form of a man. And this man stops him and says, where are you going? I'm going to go cut down this false idol. I'm going to go cut down this tree. Why? Why do you care if these people worship this tree? I mean, it's not your business. You're worshipping Allah. So good. You're doing good. They're doing bad. Who cares? Leave it alone. It doesn't concern you. Nope, this is wrong, and I'm going to stop it. No, you won't. Yes, I am. No, you won't. Back, forth, back, forth. Eventually, they start grabbing each other. Get out of my way. Nope, they start grabbing each other. They start to fight. They fight until what? The believer grabs the guy, grabs the shaitan, pins him down, holds him up. Get off of me. I'm going to cut down this tree. Shaitan has one more trick up his sleeve. What does he say? He says, wait. If you stop, if you go home now, I will leave two dinar in front of your house in the morning. Every morning, you're going to find these two dinar in front of your house. And plus, if you have that extra money, you can do better things with it. Worship Allah more. You'll have less. You don't have to worry about these people. And plus, these people, if you chop down this tree, they're probably going to worship something else anyway. Just take the money. Who's going to guarantee it? I'll guarantee it. I'll guarantee you every morning you'll have two dinar. The man thinks about it. says, okay. He goes home. He goes home in the morning, finds two dinar. He's happy. Next morning, wakes up, sees another two dinar. Gets happy again. On the third morning, guess what? No money. Now he's upset. That's it. Picks up his axe, goes out again. Meets the same man on the street. Hey, where are you going? I'm going to go cut down this tree for the sake of Allah. That's not true. No, you're not. Yes, it's true. Get out of my way. They start, no, you're not. Yes, I am. They start fighting again. But this time what happens? The shaitan overpowers him. Pins him down, holds his neck, starts to choke him. And says to him what? Do you know why I can beat you this time? Because before, you came here for Allah's sake. This time, you're here because you want your two dinar. That's why I could beat you. This is a story mentioned by Ibn al-Jawzi, rahimahullah, in his book, Talbis Iblis. And it is narrated by Al-Hasan al-Basri, al al-Basri, rahimahullah. Now, is this story supposed to be literally true? It's not from Qur'an or Sunnah, so I would not say that we have any reason to believe that 100% is accurate. It's more of a story to teach a lesson. And because of that, I'd like to modify the story for our contemporary environment. Instead of a village, let's replace that with the university, the university setting. Instead of one believer, let's think of our youth who are Muslims, who are going to this university. Instead of a tree that's being worshipped in this village, let's think about at the university how various ideologies are being preached all the time. You have the Christians, they set up, they give da'wah booths, and they have all sorts of uh, you know, pamphlets, and they call people to their religion. You have different political groups calling to their religion, and their beliefs, and their uh, values, and goals, and so forth. You have different social causes, you have different sexual movements, you have calling to partying, calling to drugs, and alcohol, and identifying by different gender, and, and, and the list goes on and on. All these people calling to things that are not Islam. The two dinar, instead, is what? Is the degree. Get the degree. Focus on the degree. Make your money. And maybe a young person says, maybe I should call to the truth and combat all of this falsehood. 
Maybe I need to cut down the tree, get rid of all this kufr, and call the people to Islam. But then there's the shaitan. And in our context, the shaitan is not in some form of a man. Rather, it's in the form of parents. Parents who say, my dear son, don't worry about getting involved in da'wah and calling people to Islam. Just focus on your two dinar. Just focus on your degree. Yes, people are calling to kufr all the time. And yes, that makes you upset. Yes, that makes you feel angry that the creation should be worshipped instead of the creator. That bothers you. But my dear son, what you need to do is focus on your school. Focus on your two dinar. Unfortunately, I fear that many of our parents in this scenario is the shaitan. Perhaps some of you guessed, today's topic, inshallah ta'ala, is about fathers and sons. A few weeks ago, I talked about fathers and daughters. Now I'd like to talk about fathers and sons. The question that I have for the fathers who have sons, do we as fathers teach our boys to be men that stand for something, that stand for their principles and their beliefs, to let the truth shine through the darkness, shattering the darkness, or do we lie to our kids? Do we lie to our kids by telling them what? Son, don't worry about da'wah. Don't worry about calling people to the truth. Just focus on yourself. Focus on your school. You can do that after your degree, when you have more free time. Do we lie to our kids knowing fully well that they won't have more free time after they get their degree? After they get their degree, they're going to get a job. They're going to get married. They're going to have a wife and kids, and they're going to have more responsibilities. But we just lie to them and say, don't worry about getting involved in calling people to the truth. Just focus on what? Your two dinar. Don't worry about what the people are worshipping. Just focus on your two dinar. Is this what we lie to our kids? Fathers, I have another question for you. How do you teach courage to your son? How do you teach courage to your son? Do you even care? Is this a priority? Is this a quality you want him to have? I know that for myself, sometimes I see young men in the masjid pushing each other, acting tough, lots of bravado. Oh man, I'll beat you up, I'll kill you, this and that. As an imam, I try to help. I should say, young man, don't act tough. Don't talk big. Come join our martial arts class and you can test yourself. You can learn in a proper environment how tough you are and how tough you are not. Come join us. And unfortunately, what I find over and over again is the kids who talk the most will not show up and will not test themselves. They back off. And I try to explain to them, there's, a, there's an expression for this young man. It's called all bark, no bite. I don't know if you ever heard the expression but it's called all bark, no bite. In other words, you talk a big talk, but you do nothing. Where's the bravery? This is a problem. This is how I try to help, but I'm not their father. So I ask the fathers, what are you teaching in terms of bravery to your sons? My guess is that the honest answer for most of us is what? Teaching my son courage has never been a priority. I've never tried to teach it, and even if I wanted to, I don't know how I would. I think that's the honest answer for most fathers. Teaching courage has never been a priority for me, and even if I wanted to, I don't know how. Here's another way of asking the question. Fathers, imagine if I go up to your sons right now, and I ask the son, your son, a simple question. And I say, can you tell me a story that your dad taught you, that impart, he imparted to you about his own courage to teach you that in our family, in our legacy, we are men of courage? If I ask your son this question, did your, does your father, did he, did he ever teach you anything about courage? Would he say, yes, of course, my, my father taught me A, B, and C? Would he say that? Or would he say, honestly, wallahi, I don't remember my dad ever teaching me that. All he said was, do good in school, focus on yourself, focus on your money. But in terms of courage, that's never been his priority. I can't even think of a single story. I want you to just think about that. Have you ever taught your son and said, I have been courageous, and this is part of our legacy. This is part of our lineage. This is part of our dean. This is part of our principles. 
Yes or no? Please think about it. Is your son brave? Do you even care? It's unfortunately quite normal nowadays, and I've seen it many times in the masjid, that grown adult young men will come to the masjid wearing their pajamas. I don't know why this is popular. I don't know how this got popular. Kids do this all the time. And when I say kids, I mean young adults. There's not much room for bravery in your pajamas. I think we need to teach them to grow up a little bit. How miraculous that the Prophet ﷺ predicted that there would come a time that the different nations would come upon us and to eat from us and take from us our natural resources and so forth, like people gathering around a dinner plate, everybody taking their food. And how miraculous that he predicted this and said what? When they asked him, Min qillatin Is it because of our small numbers? He said the opposite. He said what? Bal antum yoma idin kathir. Rather, you're going to be huge in number. It's paradoxical. Big in number, but you're weak? You would think when you're weak, it's because you're small in number. When you have large numbers, you're strong. The Prophet predicted something paradoxical, and yet it's exactly what we saw during the colonial period. Big in number, yet everybody takes from us, and we have no strength. Why? Because Allah Ta'ala, as the Prophet says, what? Because you're like the foam of the sea. Millions, trillions of bubbles in the sea, all useless, just floating around, being pushed around. No strength, no principles. And then the Prophet said, what? That Allah Ta'ala will remove any fear that your enemies have from you. They won't fear you anymore. Allah's going to remove that fear. And He's going to send what into your hearts? He's going to throw wahan into your hearts. They said, Ya Rasulullah, what is this wahan? Love of this dunya and hatred of death. You'll be cowards. And this is why you'll be consumed and beaten up. There is a nice quote, beautiful quote, from an Algerian thinker named Malik bin Nabi. He said, He said, In order to avoid being colonized, we have to rid ourselves of being colonizable. We have this colonize, colonizable mentality, which is what? When you only chase money without prioritizing your principles, you become very easily manipulated. You're an easy target for puppeteers to pull your strings because all you care about is what? Money. That's your only priority. So they know how to play you and they know how to control you. And unfortunately, this is what we see in a lot of the Muslim world, including us, unfortunately, today. So I ask, a very simple question, and I want you to think about it over and over again throughout this week, inshallah ta'ala. Fathers, are you raising men or consumers? Are you raising men or are you raising consumers? What was your intention when you came to this country? Was it da'wah or was it money? Let's think about how the Sahaba would enter into new land. We know the famous quote, when the Persian leader, Rustum, with the disbelieving army, when he confronted the Muslim army and met their leader, Rabi' ibn Amr, he said to him, What made you guys come here? Why are you here? And Rabi' ibn Amr, he had a beautiful statement. He said, What? He said, Allah Ta'ala has sent us so that we bring those who want from Allah's slaves to leave the worship of slaves and to enter into the worship of the master of slaves. That's why they came long distances. That's why they came into new lands. They had one intention, to spread the light of Islam, to take the people away from worshiping the creation and start worshiping the creator. So fathers, did you come here to spread Islam or to make money? 
The Sahaba were able to do this because they were tough. There's a very beautiful quote. I want you to all remember this quote. You can't call yourself peaceful unless you're capable of violence. If you're not capable of violence, you're not peaceful, you're harmless. Think about the difference. You can't call yourself peaceful unless you are capable of violence. If you're not capable of violence, then you're not peaceful. You're harmless. There's a difference between the two. Islam is a religion of peace. Unfortunately, I think for most of us, Islam is a religion. We try to teach it as if Islam is the religion of harmlessness. Big difference. Unfortunately, we're raising a generation of men that can't damage falsehood with truth. That's what we want. We want to raise our youth to be strong enough, to be intelligent enough, to be well-spoken well enough, to be courageous enough to damage falsehood with the light of truth and to have the courage to do so. From a young age, have you been asking your sons, my dear son, when you make some money, what are you saving up for? What charity? What cause? What are you building up for? Or is it the case that when your son thinks about money, he just thinks, I want to buy this and this and this for me, 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 me. Even when they're young, what do you want for Eid? Well, I want this for me and I want that for me. I want this gift and I want that gift. Do you train your kid to think about more than just himself? Is this part of the programming? Is this part of your objective to make him courageous to give? Courageous to speak? Courageous to stand for what he believes in? Is courage even a consideration? Or not? Fathers, the moment you have a child, your life isn't about you anymore. Your job is to show your son how to be a man, how to live and how to die. That's what fathers do. That's their job. They live and they die. And you're supposed to show your son how to do that well. Do you show your kids how to sacrifice for Allah's sake? Even if it costs dunya. It seems that most fathers show their boys how to be as small as possible. Don't make any waves. Don't get any attention. Quietly get your degree. Quietly make your money. Live your life. Enjoy your wealth. And stay away from controversy. Be as small as possible. It's as if to say, my dear son, I want you to have the weakest of faith. Why do I say that? Because we know the hadith. The Prophet says what? Man ra'a minkum munkaran. Whoever sees an evil, let him change it with his hand. If he cannot, then change it with your tongue. And if you cannot, then just hate it in your heart, and that is the weakest of faith. I fear that most fathers are saying, son, go to the university, and when you see all kinds of evil, don't try to change it with your hand. Don't get involved. Don't speak out and change it with your tongue. Son, just stay away from that evil because you hate it in your heart. Just stay away from it and focus on your degree. Is your kid involved in the MSA? Who cares? Get your degree. Son, please, I want you to be the weakest of faith. Is this what we're teaching our kids? Do you know if your son is involved in the MSA? If he is call, Do you know if how many times he passes by different organizations calling to different religions, calling to different things? Does he counter that with his own voice? Or do you say, stay away from all that? I want you to be the weakest of faith. And is it the case that we want them to be the weakest of faith because we don't want to be hypocrites. I don't want to tell you to be stronger because I'm not stronger myself. Me at work, I'm the weakest of faith. I hate evil in my heart. I stay away from evil, but I don't say a single word because I'm the weakest of faith. Maybe that's why I can't encourage my son to do anything more. If you don't destroy, if you don't address the evils around us, then it could be the case that Allah Ta'ala will destroy this entire society. As Allah Ta'ala says, وَمَا كَانَ رَبُّكَ لِيُهْلِكَ الْقُرَىٰ بِظُلْمٍ وَأَهْلُهَا مُصْلِحُونَ 
that and your Lord would not have destroyed the cities unjustly while their people were reformers. So long as there's people of Islah, as so long as we are Muslihun, people who are trying to reform, this is very important. Allah did not say Salihun. A person who is Salih is just doing righteousness themselves. I stay at home, I do my worship, I fast, I give charity, I do good by myself. That's Salih. Allah said, no, I will keep a society alive so long as there is Muslihun, those who are trying to reform and have an effect on others. Abdul Aziz Tarifi says, has a nice quote. He says, Muslihun wahidun ahabu ilallahi min alaf salihin. That one reformer, one Muslih, is better and more beloved to Allah than thousands of Salihin, of righteous people. Why? Because through a reformer, Allah might protect a whole ummah, a whole nation. Whereas, Whereas a salih, a righteous person, he's only protecting himself. When you're righteous, you're just protecting yourself. When you're a muslih, you're actually protecting society. We know that before the Prophet received revelation, he was a righteous, salih, good man. And everybody loved him. It was very, everybody loved Asadiq al-Amin, the most beloved person. Because he was righteous in and of himself, but he didn't have a deen to call to. The moment he became a prophet and started calling to the truth, he switched over from just being righteous to being a muslih, a reformer. Now they start to hate him. That's why it takes courage. That's why it takes courage. And unfortunately, that's why we avoid it. Be righteous, my son. Hate the evil in your heart, but don't try to reform anything. We're raising a generation of Muslims that are afraid to expose their faith because they're living in anxiety. Constant anxiety. What if some, somebody doesn't like it? What if they have questions for me? What if they judge me? What if they ridicule me? What if they persecute me? If, if, if. Did we forget that the Prophet said what? If only I had done such and such, then such and such would have been different. Don't do this. That it is the destiny, it is the, it is the, it is the decree of Allah, and He does whatever He wills. Even if something bad happens to you, Allah decreed it. I got no problem with that. You don't say what? You don't, if, if, if. Why? As the Prophet says, Because saying, لو, if, if, if. If only, if only. That this is opening up the shaitan's gates. Giving him all sorts of abilities over your mind. Be brave. And it's amazing that this hadith, it begins with what? Saying what? The strong believer is better than the weak believer. So it's very much teaching you, be strong in your faith. Be strong, be tough, be resilient. Stand for the truth. Bad things happen to you. Don't say, well, if only I did it differently. No, it's fine. Whatever happened, happened. Allah, Allah decreed it, so I accept. Inshallah ta'ala, we'll continue in the second khutbah. Sallallahu alayhi wa Muhammad wa ala alayhi wa sallam Bismillah wa alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salam ala rasulillah. Fathers, speak to your kids not just about the belief in Islam, but just about beliefs in general. It really breaks my heart when I speak to young people and I can tell that they don't even see the value in understanding faith in general. Forget about specifically Islam, just the concept. What does a person believe? Why is this a value, valuable point? You need to make sure that your youth, that the youth understand that your faith is like a seed. And from that seed grows your thoughts. From your thoughts grows your words. From your words grows your actions. From your actions grows your habits. From your habits grows your destiny, your lifestyle, who you are. It all grows from that initial seed of what you believe. The lens with which you see the world. This is what we need to explain. That's why it's important not only to understand your own faith, but to understand the faith of others as well. This will completely change the way they talk to people. The way they interact. They'll want to know, what do you believe? And how does it contrast with what I believe? They'll understand people better and they'll understand themselves better as well. 
I'll give a simple example. You can all look outside right now and see these trees. If the atheist looks outside, what do they see? They see an accident, a random result of chaos when they look at a tree. Oh, this is all just accidents. That's what they see. Whereas the believer, with the lens of the Qur'an, he looks out and he sees a tree and he thinks what? That the stars and the trees, they are making sajda. Every time they move in the wind, they're prostrating to Allah Ta'ala. During the fall season, they see a few leaves go down. They think what? That not a single leaf falls except that Allah knows about it. This is the lens of the Qur'an. Don't you think that if two people are looking out the window and one of them sees nothing but chaos and accidents and the other one's thinking of these ayat, don't you think that's going to affect their goals in life, the way they talk, the way they act? It's going to affect everything. They're two completely different paths. Why? Because of the faith, the lens with, with which they see the world. Teach this to your kids. Explain to them that the Muslim sees through the lens of the Qur'an. And this thinking manifests in speech. And that's how da'wah starts and begins. Let's never forget that shaitan, he's never going to quit calling to haram. Our youth are never going to stop being called to this evil. Shaitan promised it in the Qur'an when he said what? ثُمَّ لَآتِيَنَّهُمْ مِنْ بَيْنِ أَيْدِيهِمْ وَمِنْ خَلْفِهِمْ وَعَنْ أَيْمَانِهِمْ وَعَنْ شَمَائِلِهِمْ Then I will come to them from before them, from behind them, from on their right side, from on their left side. I'm going to try to come to them from all four angles. It's interesting, he couldn't say, I'll come to them from the top, because that only wahi, only revelation comes from the top. But he says, I'm going to come from all four sides. And this can be understood in multiple ways, but one way is that I will call them to haram and to shirk and kufr and so forth, directly, from the back, indirectly. During, on the right side, during good times, when there's prosperity, and on the left side, during bad times, during hardship. I'm going to call them all the time. So we should not be outdone and outworked by shaitan. We as believers should be calling to Islam even more consistently and persistently because we have more love of Allah Ta'ala than any disbeliever has for anything that they do shirk with. We should be more intense in our love for Allah Ta'ala. So we should be giving it directly calling to Islam and indirectly through our character from the front, from the back and uh, on the right during good times. Remind them who to be grateful to. And on the left, meaning what? During bad times. Remind them who to turn to. This is the da'wah of the believer. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us of those who focus on islah and reformation. May Allah ta'ala make us of those who teach our sons to be courageous. Ya Allah, make us courageous. Ya Allah, make us fathers that teach our sons to be courageous. Ya Allah, help us to raise men who will improve this world, not just consume it. Ya Allah, connect our idea of success with our ability to spread the truth, not with our bank accounts. Ya Allah, don't make us the weakest in faith. Rather, Ya Allah, make us the strongest in faith. Ya Allah, make us muslihin. Allahumma ja'alna minal muslihin. Allahumma ja'alna minal muslihin. Allahumma ja'alna minal muslihin. Allahumma ahdina fi man hadayt. Wa afina fi man afayt. Wa tawallana fi man tawallayt. Wa barik lana fi ma a'atayt. Wa qina sharra ma qadayt. Fa innaka taqdi wa la yuqda alayk. Innahu la yathillu man walayt. Wa la ya'izzu man a'adayt. Tabarakta rabbana wa ta'alayt. Rabbana atina fi dunya hasana. Wa fil akhirati hasana wa qina a'adhaab al-nar. Wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Muhammad wa alayhi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Sim kthira. Wa aqimi salat.